Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Adip Khadir from American Building. Welcome, Adip. Hi, how are you? Good, good. How about you? Uh, excellent. I'm really excited to be here on your podcast. Sure. Thank you very much. A little bit about Adip. Adip Khadir, AIA founded Redis, a public startup based at the Columbia Startup Lab and uh, Amanath Properties, a development company focused on renovation of historic real estate in New Jersey. He was previously a member of the acquisitions and development teams at XTL Development for real estate deals across the United States and Canada. Adir serves as a city planning commissioner in Hoboken, where he lives. He sits on the boards of the Hudson School, Haven Adolescent Community Respect Center, and in Gary Arts. He received his bachelor's degree in architecture and in urban planning from MIT and his MBA from Columbia Business School. And with that, Atif, you want to add anything to your background? Sure, yeah, that was a, a great summary. So thank you uh, very much uh, for that. I would say when people ask me uh, what I do, well, it's like an auntie and uncle from uh, like a party or something like that, I'll typically say I'm an architect uh, because that's what I am. That's what I'm licensed as an architect. That's what I studied. Uh, and then um, since then, I've been able to get a ton of really great experiences like you described uh, in the background. And uh, now I just focus on finding interesting problems in our industry or interesting areas in our industry and uh, look at uh, creating solutions uh, in those areas. That's basically what's led me to Redist, to American Building Podcast, to Amanath Properties, and then being a city planning commissioner as well. Awesome. And thank you very much for sharing that. And could you share a little bit more about your company, Redist, a property startup company? Could you share a little bit about your services and, and your ideal clients? You know? Sure. So uh, for Redist, our goal is to make public financing uh, solutions a lot easier and to make a lot more sense than they currently do right now. And our focus is on small to mid-sized developers, and we want them to be able to use the right public financing tools. That's tax credits, tax abatements, grants, low interest financing, rebates, all those different types of tools better and more efficiently on the projects that they're pursuing. So the way that we do that is we combine uh, tons of data that we have been collecting with the uh, collecting and cleaning up and organizing and combine it with the expertise of our teams or 10 people uh, based in New York. And uh, we are then able to develop solutions that make sense on a project for a customer uh, then we apply for all those public financing tools, and we do that on a contingency or a success-based format. And then uh, later this year, we'll be able to uh, syndicate the resulting tax credits uh, from the tax credits that we are able to secure for our customers. So basically a one-stop shop for small to mid-sized developers to be able to use alternative financing solutions for their properties. Got it. So at what stage, like the medium-sized companies can reach out to your company and how exactly they can benefit? Sure. Uh, so we define small to mid-size as those doing projects between five and $100 million. And typically they'll have between five and 20 people on staff at the company. 
And the way that they can uh, reach out right now, we're doing primarily inbound, which means people that hear about us at an event or through word of mouth. Uh, and through that, we have about 30 or 40 projects we're working on right now. Um, I would say um, if someone is interested, they're welcome to um, reach out to us on our website, which is uh, redist, R-E-D-I-S-T dot U-S. That's R-E-D-I-S-T dot U-S. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, either one is, is totally fine. And how, how long it will take to get benefits of your services? You know, what is a typical process? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, so... The process involves a screening. So we go through and get an understanding of your project and we do our analysis to see if it makes sense for us to pursue. Uh, and then if it does, then we um, go through the process of getting a good faith deposit just to make sure that the customer is uh, serious about it. And then we go through more in-depth analysis and uh, calculations, uh, looking in detail at your performa and really tightening up all their numbers. And then we uh, pursue and apply for uh, the incentives. So we take all the time and effort to put together well put together applications and then go forward from there. So that's basically the, the process. The timeline for smaller projects could be as short as a couple months, but for longer or larger projects, it could be several years. Um, it has a little less to do with us and more to do with the um, the nature of uh, incentive agencies and their timelines, how they operate. Got it. Based on your experiences, what are the typical challenges you guys are facing? Oh, like our customers are facing? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that the most typical challenges is they don't have enough money to complete their project. So uh, that's a pretty common challenge across the real estate industry because capitalizing deals is uh, is really tough. Uh, so what we see as a really interesting opportunity for alternative financing tools is how do you complement the debt and equity structure in order to make a project viable? And in some places, and, and often many cases, how do you reduce the debt and reduce the equity that's required as well to make a, a good project great? Got it. And what, what markets are targeting? So right now we, well, we're based in New York City uh, and we're focusing on New York and New Jersey. And then um, as our team grows, so right now we're at 10 people, um, we would like to, we plan to focus on Connecticut. So finishing the tri-state area and then four key sunbelt states for us. So that is Florida, Texas, Colorado, and California. So we already have a number of customers in each of those ready to go. Um, so we just want to uh, make sure that we're ready to uh, open up our services from two states to uh, seven states. Got it. Got it. What kind of asset classes do your company supporting and, you know, uh, yeah. So, so in terms of asset classes, we support uh, all asset classes dominantly because the nature of public financing tools, like the tax credits and tax abatements, it's dominantly multifamily. Got it. So, yeah, what is the typical size of your days? So, a typical project that we would work on is between uh, five and hundred million dollars. What we find is that projects less than five million dollars, it doesn't quite make sense because. There's just not that many incentives that you can get for a project that's a million or $2 million to make sense for the time and effort that we put in to get a very detailed uh, analysis. Uh, so we prefer projects that are above $5 million. And what we find is projects that are above $100 million, uh, typically uh, will be done by uh, larger firms. And those aren't necessarily the ones we want to focus on. We, we, we want to focus on the ones that really can benefit from the, the benefits of public financing. So that's for us small to mid-sized projects. Got it, got it. And, and also your city planning commissioner in Hoboken. So would you share a little bit more about that experience as well? Yeah, it's a pretty great experience. So I had a chance to, I was uh, nominated, uh, appointed as a city planning commissioner 
by the mayor of Hoboken, where I live. So Hoboken's a city of about 50,000 people. It's one of the larger cities in uh, the state of New Jersey. Um, and one of the wealthiest cities, relatively small, one square mile. So I was appointed and there's a bunch of interesting things that I was able to be a part of in my first couple of years as a city planning commissioner. Um, so first uh, was the rezoning of the city or the, rather the, um, the, the look again at the master plan of the, the city, which we have to do every 10 years. And then as part of that rezoning. Um, so I'm a huge advocate for um, business uh, and for uh, development uh, overall to improve affordable housing and improve um, different community amenities. So um, we were able to successfully rezone, um, I believe, the exact numbers, two thirds of the city uh, to increase the density that's allowed uh, to help keep the city affordable um, for all different types of people. Um, so that was really exciting. And then two things in particular have been um, pretty contentious or pretty interesting to take a look at. One is um, allowing more commercial development in the city in order to increase our commercial tax base. Um, so in particular, uh, there's a um, we've uh, seen very interesting proposals um, related to uh, commercial buildings, so like hotels, for example, um, which I think are um, interesting to look at. Uh, and then uh, the other one is related to cannabis. Um, so there are a number of meetings, proposals um, that we have related to cannabis, and I recognize that's a very contentious issue, not only in Hoboken, but across New Jersey. Got it. So would you share any you know, successful story as a city planning commissioner? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest one is being able to um, successfully push for the rezoning of a large portion of our city. So the way that zoning, like the, the density works in our city is that you are able to build a certain number of units um, based on the uh, square footage of your lot divided by what's called a density divisor. This is a relatively, um, you could say, arcane method of doing it because it's not very contextually uh, nuanced. So what that means is for a typical townhouse lot in Hoboken, you can only build two, maybe maximum three units. Um, but many of these sites could absolutely be laid out with four or five units. And if you could imagine, if you only can build three units, those are going to be three large units. And if they're large units, they're going to be three expensive units. Uh, so when we're able to build more units, you can build smaller units that are more affordable to uh, folks that might be in the beginning of their careers or might be lower income. Um, so I think being able to rezone uh, the uh, city to allow for more smaller units and affordable units to regular people uh, is a big win, not for the city planning commission, but for the entire city as well. Got it. So would you also share any challenging experiences as a city planning commissioner? Yeah, I think the challenging one often is is that our role is to adjudicate on the law, not necessarily to inject our own opinions about things. And I think for, for some folks that, that may not be clear, whether they're uh, in like as part of the commission or, say, in the, the audience or the community that comes to see and listen to the meetings, I think that's really important. So whether I particularly care for a project or not, that's a little bit less relevant. And it's more relevant is what is the uh, overall benefit for the city within the, the realms of the, the laws that that are, are active and in place in our city. So I think that tends to be a challenge for some folks, and I'm not necessarily for me, but I think for some folks, uh, is to be able to separate their personal wishes from their responsibilities. Uh, and I think the other one would be 
um, being able to uh, listen to uh, some of the very colorful feedback that we often get um, at these meetings. I think public input is awesome and I think it's really good. Um, I think sometimes what the challenge is, is a challenge is, is when um, folks tend to lose the sense of perspective uh, on uh, the benefits or the, the reality of development in a city um, as complex and diverse as Hoboken and perhaps focus a little bit too much on their own self-interest uh, when they uh, give certain opinions. Um, so I think that tends to be a challenge um, in terms of as a city planning commission, you obviously have to hear all of that, but I think uh, it, it makes processes that can be that don't have to be contentious can sometimes become quite contentious. Got it. Thank you very much. I tried to say that as politically correct as possible. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, and you mentioned you're targeting different markets as well. So like uh, Florida, Texas, other markets. So wh what is the reason behind going uh, different markets? Mm -hmm. So really fascinating, all of them. So New York, and I'll explain why those seven markets. So New York, New Jersey is, uh, is namely where we are and where our team's network is the deepest. So that's a no-brainer there. These are also two of the largest markets in the country. So that's fantastic. Uh, Connecticut's basically our cousin next door. So there are many people that um, work in New York and develop in Connecticut or based in Connecticut and do work in New York and New Jersey. So there's a tight kind of network of people that we're able to um, utilize as our first projects in Connecticut as well. So that is uh, kind of a no-brainer. Um, all three markets tend to be um, high cost of construction, high population density, high taxation, um, which basically is a perfect recipe for public financing necessity. Um, then the four Sunbelt states are a little bit different, each of them. So I would say generally across the floor, really high um, um, population growth because of influx from other parts of the country. So that's especially Texas and Florida. Um, I think that um, also what you find is in um, Texas and Florida, those are states that don't have as much bureaucracy as New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. So you're able to get um, and work with your with customers on public financing tools a little more efficiently, um, which is exciting. Uh, and I would say in particular, uh, Colorado and California are unique, which are um, high growth uh, states similar to Florida and Texas, but they're also high cost states. Uh, so they're a little bit more than similar to, uh, more similar than to uh, New York and New Jersey. So to kind of give you the, the flavor of the seven states, those are the, the kind of rationales why and how each of them is a little bit different than each other. Got it. Yep. So what is your business plan and exit criteria and how do you see next uh, this area next couple of years? Yeah, so I think our next couple of years are going to be focused on growth and, and building out on the experience that we have in order to better serve our customers, not just in these seven states. But in the remaining uh, states and also certain territories like Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., we're quite interested in. Uh, so uh, doing all of that, I think, is going to be our focus. And we have a lot ahead of us because this is an old industry. This is an old market um, that we're looking at financing uh, or old area of the industry. And there's a lot for us to work on and improve. Um, so you want to do that diligently, step by step. Um, so we're building the the best solution for our customers. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. How exactly are leveraging this uh, inflation, interest rates, and you know, affordable, all this stuff? 
Oh, uh, interest rates hikes, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think for us, as interest rates go up, margins go down, and that makes it tougher and tougher for deals to make sense. So for us, we actually think that economic distress makes the case for public financing that much greater. Um, And also the need for uh, things like affordable housing um, that much greater as well. So we really look forward to being able to help many, many, many more uh, customers over the next year or so uh, in, in light of the economic distress that's coming. Got it. Yes. And uh, any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Mm, personal habits, I would say, would be uh, to be empathetic and to be curious. So I think that um, pretty much anybody, whether you're in the real estate industry or uh, anywhere else, uh, you can often do better and drive more business uh, to what you're doing if you choose to be empathetic, which means um, listening to you and understanding the concerns of other people and having um, sympathy and empathy for that. Uh, and I think the other one is being curious. Uh, so not taking things at face value and wanting to ask why, why, why as much as possible in order to get to the real the real reasons for why people do things. Got it. And uh, share any one personal learning that has played a part in creating massive impact and powerful shifts in your own life. Mm-hmm. I would say the biggest... The biggest one would be, oh yeah, if you don't like your job, quit. That's the biggest piece of advice I have. Because I think, um, I feel like when I left corporate America, I was able to unleash uh, all of this uh, potential that I had that was being stifled when I was working for a big corporate, like a corporation or a corporate tech company. So I would say the biggest piece of advice I have is if you have a desire to and an ability to leave and start your own business and do it. That's, I think, that's been the biggest transformation for me. Awesome. And any books that impacted your life and what way? Um, really good question. I read a lot. I tend to read magazines a lot more than books. Uh, so I would say I really love re- reading um, Architect Magazine, which is the one for the American Institute of Architects. I love reading The Real Deal, which is uh, real estate. And I love reading, reading Technology Review, which is the um, magazine of MIT. Um, where I went to for undergrad. In terms of books, I'd probably say the one that I'm looking at right now, it's called Snow Crash. So it's by Neil Stevenson. And it's a look uh, from about 20 years ago of what Web3 could potentially be. Uh, So it's really fascinating because he wrote about a world that is probably only 10 years out for us. But he wrote that 30, like effectively 30 years ago then, uh, the 1980s uh, or 40 years ago. So it's really fascinating reading this book now and seeing someone that had this inkling that the world that we're walking into would be what would come to fruition. Uh, and I think there's a lot of implications for it um, in terms of real estate and how we see ourselves living in cities of the future, both uh, actual and virtual. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Web3 is coming latest trending. Awesome. And as the architect, so what is your you know biggest vision or biggest achievement? I would say the biggest achievement would be um, that's an interesting question. I would say I really enjoy having a public service role as being a city planning commissioner. And if I get other opportunities uh, in greater venues or larger venues, I would absolutely take that uh, and be able to give back and help give my my perspective, which I think balances pro-business with pro-community and not necessarily seeing the two at odds with each other as like this type of a thing uh, at, uh, and being able to come up with sensical solutions that make sense. So I'd say that's probably been the thing I've been most proud of and, and most excited about of all the different things that, that I really enjoy doing. Got it. Got it. So, and how are you giving back to community? Mm, 
Oh, I'd say one of the things I really enjoy doing is being on the being involved with nonprofits. So I'm on a trustee of the Hudson School, which is a progressive school based in Hoboken. And I'm also one of the founding board members of Haven, which is a, um, a teen uh, homeless services a center and shelter in Jersey City. So those are the ways I like to give back. Um, because through that, I can offer my expertise in terms of finance and real estate and budgeting and accounting to these types of organizations and help put them on the, the right path to success. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you? Uh, best is LinkedIn. So I'm usually on LinkedIn every day. So feel free to connect with me, follow me, connect or whatever the, the right verb is. Uh, and check out my posts and anything else that would be of interest. But LinkedIn's the best way. Awesome. And thank you very much, Atif. Thank you for sharing your experience on Proptic uh, startup company and also as a planning commissioner uh, for Hoboken. Thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. And folks can also listen to uh, my podcast. It's called American Building Podcast. You can get that at AmericanBuildingPodcast.com uh, or on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and everywhere else. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.